We live in a world where we're constantly bombarded with messages. Some of these messages come through your ears, messages you hear, whether it's a doorbell, a phone ringing, voices speaking to you, a timer going off. Some messages come through your eyes, things that you see. You see what people are wearing, where they sit, how they're acting. You see color, light, darkness, sun, clouds, and many other things. Other messages come from our own minds when we tell ourselves how to interpret every situation. We tell ourselves who we are, or we tell ourselves who we ought to be as well. There's so many messages that we hear each and every day, and we can get overwhelmed with all of these messages. So how do you choose which ones to listen to? How do you know which ones are right, which ones are true? And how do you hear the message above all the other noise? Certain voices hold more sway than others. For instance, for those of you that have a regular coffee shop that you drink coffee with and talk with others at, you probably don't ask the people you're drinking coffee with what you should get your wife for Christmas. You know your wife better than they do, I hope. You don't ask the town mayor what kind of crops you should plant in this next year. You don't ask a pastor how to do your taxes. If you want to know where to get, what to get someone for Christmas, you ask them. If you want to know what crops you should plant, talk to somebody who knows crops and who knows the market. And if you want to know about taxes, talk to a CPA. We listen for voices that speak with authority. In the first chapter of John, John writes about a herald, an official messenger who is bringing news, an official messenger who has a certain message to proclaim. And this messenger proclaims this message. I'd invite you to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 1 and listen to this herald speak. Listen to this messenger. John chapter 1, verses 19 through 28. And again, I'll invite you to stand out of respect for God's word. Reading in Jesus' name. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you, so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. And now they had been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him and said to him, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize in water. But among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Father God, these are your words, and your word is true. We pray this morning that you would sanctify us in your truth, that you would open our ears to hear this message which the herald speaks. Lord, that you would help us to understand it, that you would help us to see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. John's life was far from normal. There was something different about him, different from most people. He was special. And people knew it as soon as he was born, even from before John was born. From his birth, he was being watched, and excitement was brewing. When his dad was a priest and ministering in the temple, an angel of the Lord came to him and gave him a message that he would have a son even in his old age. 
And when he left the temple, he couldn't talk. He couldn't say a thing. He was mute. And people knew right away that something was up with Zechariah. Something had happened. He had seen a vision. And eventually when John was born, news about him spread. And Zechariah opened his mouth and said, His name will be called John. And people were wondering, What will this child be? And they knew that the hand of the Lord was certainly on this child. He lived in the desert until the day of his public appearance, and until the day that he started his ministry. The Gospel writer John, so this is a different John from John the Baptist, summarizes the Baptist's ministry in chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. He summarizes it with these words, There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. He came to testify about the light. He was different. He was sent by God. He was sent with a mission to testify about the light. And that's exactly what John did. He pointed to the light and not to himself. When you read through the passages describing John's ministry, you won't find a passage where John is calling people to himself just to promote himself. He's never about gaining big crowds or big audiences just so people can say, hey, this is, this is what John the Baptist is all about. He doesn't promote himself, but instead he gets people's attention and he points them to where they need to look. So here's this man, this man with all the excitement about him, clothed in camel's hair and a leather belt, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, Mark writes, and crowds are starting to gather. They're wondering, who is this guy? They're starting to talk about him. Word about Zechariah' son is circulating, and this boy, who everyone was wondering about, wondering, what is he going to amount to, who disappeared into the wilderness, is making headlines and gathering crowds. Not only is he turning heads, but people are heading out into the wilderness to see who he is, to hear what he has to say. And a certain amount of hype was building. Could it be? Could he be? Is this the time that we've all been waiting for? For 400 years, there had been silence. People hadn't had a prophet from God. They were anxiously awaiting for the Messiah to come, anxiously awaiting for the prophet to come who would tell them everything they needed to know, anxiously waiting to be delivered from their present circumstances, anxiously waiting for their king to come and set them free. And now here's this guy in the wilderness, this strange man, dressed kind of weird, eating bugs and honey. He's different, talking about some kind of light. People's hopes were rising. Could he be the one? The religious leaders were also curious and somewhat concerned. John writes in verse 19 that the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? John answers in verse 20, but before he answers, look at, how the gospel, look at what the gospel writer says. He says, he confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed. Now, who among us, when someone asks you the question, who are you, starts out with a confession and denying something and then confessing again? We don't do that. You don't make a formal confession like John is doing here. When someone asks you, who are you? This wasn't just a group of guys from the local coffee shop coming to find out who he is, to hear about John's life story. Now, this is an official delegation sent to determine 
what's going on. Sent to determine why are these people getting so excited. Sent to determine who is this man in the wilderness. The Levites served as the temple police. They were the guardians of what went on in the temple. They protected the teaching from what was coming in. They protected people's hopes and dreams, trying to point them to the Messiah. So our translations, when it tells us that these guys came, makes it seem as though it's some casual interaction. They came to ask him a question, but this is an official delegation. Multiple commentators mention that this is more like a formal investigation, a formal interrogation. John had the people's attention, and now he had the religious leaders' attention too, and they're trying to figure out who is this guy? What is he doing? They're ready to listen to him. So his message comes. They ask, who are you? The message these people all want to know is, who are you? Who is this guy in the wilderness that so many people are talking about? John doesn't waste any time answering the question. In verse 20, he says, I am not the Christ. He immediately, immediately refutes any potential claims that people might have. For those who are getting their hopes up thinking, this guy is the one. He's the Savior. He's the one who's going to deliver us from this Roman rule. He's going to save us. John says, no, no, no. That's not me. I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. I am not the anointed one. So next they ask him, well, then are you Elijah? Elijah, if you remember, is the prophet of God who never died. The prophet of God whom the Lord had taken up in a chariot of fire. Elijah was also prophesied to come. And the last two verses of the Old Testament tell us about Elijah. Elijah will come again before that great and terrible day of the Lord. So the people are waiting for Elijah's appearance. John isn't trying to make a name for himself. He's just trying to testify to the light, to point people to the Savior. He denies being Elijah. He says, I am not. So these relentless investigators then ask a different question. What about the prophet? You must be the prophet. They aren't asking about any old prophet. They're asking about a specific one. The words there, are you the prophet? The one who would be like Moses. The one who people were waiting for ever since Deuteronomy chapter 18. The prophet who would come and speak all of God's words to his people, everything they needed to know. A prophet who would be like Moses. And John again denies the claim and simply says, no. It must have been a little frustrating for John. Wouldn't you think? All John is trying to do is point people to the one who actually deserves importance, the one who actually deserves intent, intent, attention. He's just trying to point people to the Messiah. And now here's this group of religious leaders just trying to figure out who is he? The Messiah is here, and rather than asking John about the Messiah, they're still asking, but who are you? We want to know who you are. Finally, they ask John, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? These leaders want to know if John isn't any of these people, then who is he? What role does he have in Israel's history? If he's not the Messiah, if he isn't Elijah, if he's not the prophet, who is he and why should anybody listen to him? Why are so many people coming to hear what he has to say? And John answers the question. He says, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. 
As Isaiah the prophet said, John quotes a familiar passage from Isaiah. Lenski says that Isaiah's words don't merely happen to fit the Baptist's thought, but these words constitute the authority for his work. John is saying here that Isaiah testified about me being the voice in the wilderness. That is who I am. It's what I came to do. And these religious leaders should have caught that reference. John isn't speaking on his own authority. He was sent by God to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord, and that's exactly what he is doing. And the irony of all of this here is that John is doing this work that these priests and these Levites were supposed to be doing daily as they worked in the temple. Through their work in the temple, they were also supposed to be preparing the way for the Savior. He's doing their job, and they didn't recognize it. The text continues with the interrogation. And now we see, or we hear from those sent by the Pharisees. The Pharisees, you remember, are those ones, the religious rulers who were zealous for the law. At the end of the day, all they cared about, their number one priority in life, was that the law of God was upheld. And in order to make this happen, they added law after law after law after law to God's law, tradition upon tradition, adding all kinds of requirements to it. And in reality... All these traditions, all of these requirements, and all of these things, the actual law of God was lost. And in effect, the actual law of God is lost in their efforts to guard it and to keep it. And rather than God's law being a hammer, leading people to confession of their sin and to repentance and faith, the law simply became a way for man to justify himself. Do all these things and you'll be good to go. Fearing that John might be acting on his own authority, fearing that John might be disregarding the law of God, these Pharisees come and they seek to find out, by what authority are you doing these things? How, who are you to be baptizing these people? And John answers in verse 26 and 27. He says, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. And it is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. And at first it sounds like John is punting this question, ignoring what they are asking. But he isn't. Instead, again, he is doing what he has always been doing, pointing people away from himself and pointing people to the Savior. John maintains, I'm just a voice. I'm just a voice proclaiming the word, proclaiming the message that God has given to me. I'm just a voice making the Christ, the anointed one, making Jesus known. What is it that John says? All John is doing is preparing the way. He's crying in the desert, a voice, making known the word. He's in the wilderness preaching repentance and baptizing for the forgiveness of sin. And later in the gospel, John says these words about Christ when his disciples come up to him and says, hey, John, I don't know if you know this yet, but Jesus is getting a whole lot more followers than you are. And John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's not about me. The Baptist knows his role, but more importantly, he knows the Savior, and it is this Savior that he is desiring to make known to all people. It is this Savior whom he is proclaiming. Verse 26, John says, Among you stands one whom you do not know saying, currently standing, 
currently walking around in their midst is the Messiah. At this time in history, at this time when John is recording this event, Jesus has already been baptized. He'd already been revealed to John. The Spirit came down upon Christ like a dove. The heavens opened up and the voice of God said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And in that moment, John the Baptist realizes this is the Son of God. This is the Savior. From that time on, John points people not just to the Messiah, but to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, having identified who he is. God's plan to save the world was already in motion. It's presently happening before their very eyes. And this is why John is baptizing for the forgiveness of sins. This is why he's applying the water with the word. It's not because he has the power to save people. It's not because he is anyone of importance. It's not because he has any special powers in and of himself for the water of the Jordan River is special. But because the one who comes after him, the Messiah, is here. And Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, the Savior, has come. And he is the one who accomplishes redemption. He is the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And as Christ was baptized by John, John says this was, Christ says this was necessary to accomplish redemption. In that moment, he made everyone else's baptism significant. Because not only are we baptized with water, we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as we are baptized, we are clothed with Christ's righteousness. We are tied to Christ in his baptism because Christ was baptized. And he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John is just pointing people to Jesus. And in the meantime, he is applying the means of grace to them. He is preaching the baptism, repentance, and faith. He preaches and he baptizes to point people not to himself, not to this work that he is doing, but to point people to what Jesus has come to do. All his message, all his life, he has spent testifying about the light that all might believe in God through him. His message since day one is always look to the Messiah. Look to Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the prophet. He is the Savior. I'm just a voice. And each one of us today, we're not the Savior. We're not the prophet. We're not the Messiah. We too are just a voice speaking the words of Christ and making Christ known to all of those around us. Christ must increase and you and I must decrease. One of the early church fathers, Augustine, pointed out this about John. He says, although John was just a voice, Christ was the word. Looking back earlier in John, we see that Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus is the one who dwelt among us. And so John is the voice speaking. And what is he speaking? He's speaking about Christ. He's speaking the word. The herald speaks And he is pointing people to Jesus. The leaders that were interrogating John that day were looking to the wrong person. They're looking at just the voice. He was pointing people to Jesus. Rather than listening to his message, his simple message that I am not the Messiah, I'm not Elijah, I'm not the prophet. Among you stands the one you are looking for. These leaders just wanted to find out if John was the real deal. 
to find out if John is the Messiah, but John identifies himself as the voice from Isaiah 40. They knew the reference, but they'd missed the boat. All they wanted to find out was if this voice had the authority that he claimed to have. Why this voice was baptizing. They're asking the wrong questions. Instead, they should have listened to what the voice was proclaiming to them. They should have listened to his message. They should have heard what the voice was declaring. And they should have asked, where is this Messiah? If he is here currently standing among us, as you say, who is he? So that we too might believe. But they didn't believe the messenger. They didn't listen to his message. These priests, these Levites, these Pharisees, were the very people who were to be telling Israel, your warfare has ended. Your sins have been paid for and the Lord will give back to you double. They are the ones to declare that this Messiah was here. Instead, these religious leaders walked away. They walked away disappointed. But even sadder yet, they walked away still lost walked away from the Messiah who had come to save them from their sin. Disappointed that John wasn't the Christ, that John wasn't Elijah, that John wasn't the prophet. Disappointed that John wasn't their Savior. All the while, the Savior is in their midst. How tragic. This time of year, there's a lot of noise going on around us. There's school concerts we have to go to, family gatherings, church outings, shopping trips, gifts that need to be wrapped, cookies that need to be baked, and the list goes on and on and on and on. So many things that need to be done. This year, I invite you to stop, to listen to the testimony of John the Baptist, that your warfare has ended, that your sin has been paid for, that here is your God in Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away your sin. Behold Jesus, God incarnate, God made flesh for you. This season, don't miss Christ made flesh for you. Don't miss the Savior. Don't walk away lost. And don't walk away disappointed. The Savior has come for you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and we praise you. And you are a God who has come for us. And you are a God who is magnificent, who is glorious, who is worth our attention, who is worth our time. Lord, that you are a God who has come to save us while we were yet sinners. We pray this morning, Father, that you would come to us again through your word that you would reveal to us that you are the Messiah, that you would reveal to us once again that you have come to save your people from our sins. Father, we pray for those this Christmas time who don't know you, that they would come to know you, that the message wouldn't be lost among all the sounds of the season, but that your word would go forth, that you would save people. Father, we pray that you would be with us as well, that you would help us to testify about the light, that this light has come, and this light dwells among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.